Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. We rely on the generosity of our listeners to sustain this ministry and the message of the coming kingdom of heaven. Please consider making a donation to Beth Emanuel by clicking on the Donate tab at BethEmmanuel.org. What does Paul mean by saying, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift? Ephesians 4.7 You might suppose he speaks about the forgiveness of sins, Christ's gift of grace for his disciples. If so, you would expect that, if he is speaking about God's grace through the Messiah, that the same equal measure of grace should be bestowed upon everyone. But that's not what Paul says. He says this grace is to be doled out to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, implying that some people receive more grace than others. It makes sense only when we remember that grace should be understood as the Hebrew term chen, which means favor. In the New Testament, grace usually refers to the favor that Messiah found in God's eyes through the merit of his righteousness and his suffering. Because Yeshua found such an abundance of favor in God's eyes, he has ample favor to share with his disciples. His disciples, in turn, rely upon the Messiah's favor for the forgiveness of sins. That's how the theology of grace works in the New Testament. But the word grace does not always have that specific theological meaning. It can also mean selective favor, as it does in Hebrew, which favors one person above another. That's the case here. Paul indicates that some are favored with certain spiritual gifts, tasks, and roles, and he counts himself among the favored ones. The same terminology appears in Galatians 2, when he says that the other apostles recognized the grace that was given to me. They concluded that Paul should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Galatians 2.9. He used the same term in Ephesians 3 to refer to his specific calling to work as an apostle to the Gentiles. It's the stewardship that was given to me for you, Ephesians 3.2. And in Ephesians 3.7 and 8, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of the Messiah. Ephesians 3, 7 and 8. In Romans 12, Paul again refers to his authority as an apostle to the Gentiles as the grace given to me, to me, but not to everyone else. As in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in the Messiah, and individual, individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, and so on. That's Romans 12, 3-7. 
Likewise, he says in Romans 15, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of the Messiah, Yeshua, to the Gentiles. Romans 15, 15 and 16. God has favored him this assignment as the minister to the nations, the apostle to the Gentiles. Again, in 1 Corinthians 3, he speaks of his work as an apostle in Corinth, according to the grace of God given to me. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. 1 Corinthians 3.10 God's grace through the Messiah for the forgiveness of sins is not what we are speaking about here. We are speaking about a specific measure of God's favor. Suffice to say that not everyone receives this same measure of God's favor. Paul feels special because he's been singled out for a specific role, a specific task within the body of Messiah. He's been favored by God for this mission. Here in Ephesians 4.7, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Again, this is not the general grace we find in Messiah for the forgiveness of sins. Instead, it's the specific favor bestowed upon an individual. And what is that gift? We'll see what it is a few verses later. But first, Paul takes us on a brief midrash about the ascension of the Messiah and the festival of Shavuot. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4.8 The quotation comes from Psalm 68, a psalm which Jewish interpretation associates directly with the first Shavuot at Mount Sinai. It's the Shavuot Psalm, and in the Apostolic Era, Psalm 68 and Psalm 29 were considered Psalms of the Day for the Festival of Shavuot. We spend a long time preparing for Shavuot. During the 49 days of the Omer, which lead up to Shavuot, we recite Psalm 67, a harvest psalm which contains 49 Hebrew words and predicts God's salvation extending out to all nations. Then, on the day of Shavuot itself, we read Psalm 68, which makes allusions to the story of the revelation of the Torah at Mount Sinai. I believe the main point of Psalm 67 being read through the Omer is to point us to Psalm 68 for the days of Shavuot. Jewish tradition has richly embellished certain passages from Psalm 68 to connect them with the giving of the Torah on Shavuot. For example, Psalm 68.12 says, The Lord gives the word. The evangelists are a great host. The word I'm translating as evangelists is the Hebrew word mevasrot, which literally means proclaimers of good news. The Talmud interprets this same verse to refer to the giving of the Torah in every language. Every single word that went forth from the Almighty divided into 70 languages. Thus, a Jewish tradition ties Psalm 68 with the story of the giving of the Torah on Shavuot, and apostolic tradition ties it with the story of the giving of the Spirit on Shavuot, when the Lord gave the word 
and the disciples of Yeshua who were gathered in the temple proclaimed the good news in every language. Psalm 68.18 is also understood to refer to the descent of God upon Mount Sinai. It says, The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now the sanctuary. This is also why the story of the chariot in Ezekiel 1 became the Haftarah for Shavuot. Ezekiel's vision of the chariot also speaks of the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures, alluding to where it says, All the people saw the voices and the torches, Exodus 20.18. The apostles experienced this phenomenon as tongues of fire that appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave utterance. So, as you can see, there's a great deal of Shavuot tradition invested into Psalm 68. Several other Shavuot traditions are tied to Psalm 68, including a story about the specific verse Paul quotes in Ephesians 4. Here's what the verse says. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Psalm 68:19. Jewish interpretation explains that this describes the ascent of Moses up Mount Sinai. The story goes that when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Torah, he ascended into the heavenly temple. The supernal heights of the dwelling place of God had descended to the top of the mountain. As Moses stepped onto the top of the mountain, he found himself in heaven. However, when the angels saw a mortal man of flesh and blood standing among them, they objected to his presence there, and they objected to the idea that the Holy Torah should be put into the hands of human beings. When Moses ascended on high to receive the Torah, the ministering angels said before the Holy One, Blessed be he, Master of the universe, What is one born of woman doing here among us? The Holy One, blessed be He, said to them, He came to receive the Torah. The angels said before Him, The Torah is a hidden treasure that was concealed by you 974 generations before the creation of the world, and you seek to give it to flesh and blood? What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you think of him? Psalm 8.5. Rather, God, our Lord, how glorious is your name in all the earth, that your majesty is placed above the heavens. Psalm 8.2. The Holy One, blessed is he, said to Moses, you answer them. Moses answers the angels by pointing out that the Torah is not given to angels. Commandments like, remember the Exodus when I brought you out of Egypt, and commandments like honor your father and mother, and commandments like rest on the Sabbath, and commandments like you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, do not pertain to angels. Moses wins the argument and prevails over the angels, fulfilling what it says in Psalm 8.5, You have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. The apostles associated the same psalm, with the ascension and exaltation of Messiah. In the Talmud, the story continues. Immediately, 
each and every one of the angels became an admirer of Moses and gave some gift to him. As it is stated, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts for men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Psalm 68.19 That is to say, in reward for the fact that they called you a mere man, Moses, you took gifts from angels. In this Talmudic explanation, the host of captives that Moses takes refers to the five books of the Torah. The gifts for men he receives are the commandments of the Torah and also spiritual secrets and spiritual gifts from the angels which form the esoteric mystical tradition. The Targum on the Psalms paraphrases the verse to say, You ascended to the heavens, O prophet Moses. You captured captives, you taught the words of Torah, you gave gifts to the sons of men, and even the stubborn who are converted turn in repentance, and the glorious presence of the Lord God abides upon them. This explanation of the verse should be compared to the Midrash in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14, which explains that since Moses has already ascended to heaven and retrieved the Torah on behalf of the Jewish people, No one should say that the Torah is too difficult or too far off. It's not up in heaven. It's not beyond the sea. Instead, Moses has already done the hard work to bring the Torah near. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14. Paul invokes that same explanation in Romans 10. The righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring the Messiah down. Or, Who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring the Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is the Master and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, no one needs to ascend into the heavens to bring the Messiah down to earth or descend into Sheol to bring him up from the dead because God has already accomplished these things through Yeshua of Nazareth. The righteousness of God has already been obtained by him, just as Moses has already obtained the Torah. Back here in Ephesians 4, Paul makes a similar but not identical comparison between Moses and Messiah. Moses ascended into the heavens, defeated the angels, took the Torah captive, received gifts from the angels, and then descended to bestow these gifts upon human beings. Likewise, Messiah, who was a little lower than the angels, has ascended to heaven to be crowned with glory and honor. He has taken captive spiritual authorities and has been seated far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, Ephesians 1.21, to fill all in all. He has received gifts to be distributed among men. Like Moses, he bestows these gifts upon human beings, which Paul refers to when he says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Now, we finally have enough information to read and interpret the rest. 
In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. There are three valid ways to understand he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. The first is in reference to his incarnation. As it says in John 3, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, John 3.13. The second is in reference to his death and burial, which is elsewhere referred to as a descent into Sheol and is paralleled in Romans 10. But many scholars suggest a third possibility. They believe that it should be understood as the descent of the Holy Spirit on the day of Shavuot. Yeshua is likened to Moses, who ascended to plunder heaven and get the gift of the Torah to distribute among human beings. Moses descended back to earth with the Torah and gave it to human beings. Likewise, Yeshua ascended to get the gift of the Spirit, and through the outpouring of the Spirit, he descended, so to speak, into the lower regions of the earth to bestow that gift on the day of Shavuot when the Holy Spirit was poured out on his disciples. According to that idea, you would translate the passage like this. In saying he ascended, it implies that he also had to descend back to the lower regions of the earth. He who descended to bestow the Spirit is the same one also who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. I don't know which interpretation best fits what Paul is getting at, but I am certain that the ascent of the Messiah refers to his resurrection from the dead and his ascent to the right hand of God, and I am certain that the gifts he obtained in heaven and bestows upon human beings refers to the grace given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Ephesians 4.7 What is that gift? And he gave... Here's the gift that he gave. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of the Messiah, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah. Ephesians 4, 11-13 Next Shabbat, as we prepare for Shavuot, God willing, we'll take some time to understand what he means by that. It goes back to what he told the Ephesian disciples. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the Messiah, Yeshua himself being the cornerstone. In other words, he's speaking about the apostolic community of Jewish believers, the original apostles and the prophets of the Jerusalem community. They are the foundation. The idea is that, as an apostle, Paul represents this community of Yeshua's Jewish disciples to the Gentiles in Ephesus, fulfilling the role of Israel's priestly duty of reaching to the nations, the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 16. 
This is the grace that was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Those designated as the apostles received that calling as a gift of God's favor. The Messiah obtained it for them as spiritual gifts wrested from heaven. Likewise, with the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Next time, we'll take a look at each office and see how Paul uses these titles to describe the leadership of Jerusalem's community of Jewish disciples. They are the gift of Messiah to human beings, filled with the Spirit on the day of Shavuot. The apostolic community attributed the outpouring of the Spirit on Shavuot to the ascension of Yeshua. Elisha did not receive a double portion of the spirit of his teacher Elijah until Elijah ascended. It all started on Shavuot, the day God poured out his spirit on the disciples of Messiah, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Before his ascension, Yeshua told his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John 16, 7. Under the authority and instruction of those original apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the whole body of Messiah grew the Messiah himself at the head, and we too are members of the same body, tracing our spiritual ancestry back to those disciples, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah. And learn from me And find rest for your soul